Want to know what really goes into planning the perfect kitchen or bathroom? Well, welcome to How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast brought to you by B3Rooms.com. I'm your host, Lindsay Blair, and by day I am the editor of Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms magazine and these3rooms.com. And now I am here in your ears on this podcast chatting through the ins and outs of getting the kitchen and bathroom you really want. If you've looked at the name of today's episode, Help, My Bathroom is Tiny, and thought, yes, I really need some advice on how to make the most of my small bathroom, while you are in the right place... I'm going to be chatting to a great designer who has lots of experience in creating beautiful small bathrooms that really pack a style punch without losing out on any of the function. And she has some great ideas and words of wisdom to pass on to you. I can't wait to share what she has to say with you. So without further ado, let's get into it. before we get started on this week's episode I am going to do a shameless plug into something that I've been working on with the team at these3rooms.com and it is the launch of Project Planner. Now this is a really really useful section of the website and I encourage you all to go on and have a look at it. It will help you in all of those little decisions that go into planning and executing a perfect kitchen or bathroom as well as listening to this podcast of course so you can go on there and you can download the free project planner kit which is full of amazing information there's a free ebook in there on all of the trades you need for your project there's a budget tracker there's a dream team card reminder where you can put all the contact details for the people that you decide to work with and so much more so do check it out it's totally free all you need to do is pop onto these three rooms.com forward slash project planner kit and fill in a few details this episode I'm chatting small bathrooms with an esteemed bathroom design expert. I am looking forward to finding out their know-how on making even the smallest of bathrooms stylish and practical. No mean feat, let me tell you. So today I'm saying welcome to the podcast to Louise Ashdown, who is the head of design at West One Bathrooms. Hi Louise, how are you today? Great Lindsay, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. The weather is looking up, so it's summer is finally on the horizon. Is it nice where you are? Where are you as well? I'm, I'm in Tunbridge Wells, Kent at the moment, and um, hopefully we'll have a sunny bank holiday, the first of many, let's hope, this year. Fingers crossed. Now, before we begin, I have to confess that there, a lot of the bathrooms that I see for these three rooms and Kitchens, Bedrooms, Bathrooms magazine are rather large and possibly not what the average bathroom might look like. I know they're much bigger than the bathroom that I have in my house. So although those spaces are really dreamy, the average UK bathroom is actually about the size of two king-size mattresses put together. So I looked at that fact and then I thought, right, let's let's look at my mattress and imagine two of them. I mean, it's, it's quite a compact space to play with, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. And a lot of bathrooms are quite big, especially in older properties, because they've actually converted bedrooms into bathrooms. And also with new built properties, people have a lot of massive super suites built to, to accommodate themselves and sometimes take up a whole top floor. But you're right, generally in houses, they are literally the length of a bath with a room for a loo and a basin in there. 
So they are quite compact. And, and that's a huge market that probably makes up about 75% of the UK bathrooms. Oh, wow. So it's 75%. That is, that's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the people that really need the help with the design innovation and, and talking through what's the best, who's going to use the bathroom and, and get the best use of the space for them in their home. Well, look, I mean, what a, what a place to start. So I guess we should try and help those people out. If it's 75% of us have got small bathrooms, then let's give those homeowners some advice. So if you do have a small bathroom and you want it to feel less cramped, which, you know, I'm guessing probably 75% of people do want it to feel less cramped where should you start with your thinking i think you've got to think about what you need to fit in the bathroom and who's going to be using that bathroom so is it your only bathroom in the home or is it the family bathroom so that that's the way to start what you need to fit in it who's going to use it do you really need a shower and a bath you know is it worth compromising to have a small shower and a small bath or do you want to take the bath out and have a lovely big walk-in shower so a lot of people are going that way now so I think you've just got to have a discussion and a chat with your designer and not be typeset into thinking, oh, I need to fit a shower, I need to fit a bath, I need double basins, I need a loo. Because your your bathroom in your home is not a showroom display. It's not important to cram as much in as you can. It's for you to use and get the best use out of the space. I think that's a really important point. I think a lot of the time when we think about bathrooms, people think, right, I need to put bath in, I need to put shower in. And maybe you're thinking more about in the future, what if I need to sell the property? But really, is it more about thinking about your, you now and designing for you how you need to live in the now? I think that is so important and it's so often looked by designers and end users as well. I think it's really, really important. The bathroom's for you. If you sell your house 10 years down the line, you're probably going to have someone that's going to buy it and rip out the bathrooms and the kitchens anyway. And I think also bathrooms, you need to think of them in a really different way with designing them. Kitchens, they're generally a massive space. You need to fit a lot of things in and you end up filling the space with a lot of units. But bathrooms, I think what people forgo and, and overlook is the activity space around the things that you need in the bathroom is also as important as the size of your shower. So when you have a shower, yeah, you might want a lovely big shower, but that's useless if you're opening the shower door onto a space that you can't even turn around to dry in. And that is so often overlooked, the activity space that you need. What's the typical sort of small bathroom that you come across when you're designing? What are the, the main problem areas? I think the main problem areas are position of windows. So if it's a little box room, you've got a bath down one side and it tends to be that the basin and the loo is under the window. So you've got to think about the space to, to change that. Do you want the basin with a mirror above? Is that necessary? Or has someone got a lovely view out the window? They want to utilise that and focus on that. And I think also the multi-use of um, family members that use the bathroom. You know, it, it may be that the adults, yeah, I really want to shower. That's all I use. But if little children come along, they love baths. So you, you've got to weigh up your household and what's right for you. And I think also with trends, which we'll come to later, you've got to pick what's right for you. There's no point following something because you think that's what you should do. Yeah, and obviously when when it's a small space, as many of our bathrooms are, you know, there there might be room for a bath over with a shower over it, or you might have to think about what you actually really need. But is is there any opportunity, if it's really a small, small space, to be clever and steal space from elsewhere? Is that something that you see or is that something that you do in your designs? Yeah, absolutely. Because often we get people come to us and then have a whole floor plan or we've been on a site visit and we can see that the bathroom maybe backs onto a huge airing cupboard that could be recited elsewhere. 
So there's, there's lots of thoughts. And even stealing space within the walls, like putting a pocket door in instead of a door that opens into the bathroom again, which disconnects the activity space. So there's all ways of looking at it. Um, it may be that the small bathroom backs onto a big bedroom and you could steal even 800 mil off that bedroom to increase the bathroom space to get a lovely walk-in shower. So there's all sorts of, it's not, when we're designing a bathroom, we don't just look at the existing space. We do consider everything outside that space and around it. So if I'm looking at my bathroom, say, and it's sort of on the landing, it's got a, a cupboard next to it where maybe the boiler used to be. As a as a homeowner, before I even get to sort of looking at a bathroom showroom or talking to a designer, what should I be thinking about? You know, what are the possibilities that I should consider? Okay, so I hate the expression think outside the box, but really you want to think outside the bathroom. So you, you've got to look, if you've got a, a linen cupboard or an air cupboard in the hallway, or like you say, the boiler used to be there, so we've just got shelving in it, let's look at incorporating that, blocking it up the door from the hallway and accessing it from the bathroom, and that already will give you a little shower area. So if you're lacking that, you've done it. You, you've created a much more usable space of a bathroom. I love that. I love think outside the bathroom. That's not something I've ever heard before, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so often overlooked that people are just concentrating on the space they have instead of thinking more about what is around that space. What about budget? I mean, when you're talking about, you know, knocking through to a cupboard or stealing space from a a different room, is that going to heavily affect the budget that you have to play with? Well, I think there's a a little bit of an issue that people think, oh, a bathroom, I've got to keep all the plumbing in the same place, that'll keep the pricing down. But let's imagine you're an installer that wants to fit the bathroom properly. You're you're not going to just refix the bathroom to do pipe work. You're going to rip it out. You're going to board it. You've got to change pipe work. So if it's just a stud wall, that's not a massive cost. You know, most of the bathroom projects we do, people will have their ceilings re-skimmed, the walls re-boarded, new lighting in. So that's going to be incorporated anyway. So why would you want to leave the plumbing and everything in the same way if you can make that bathroom work better? You might as well have that changed at the same time. I think the only time to be mindful is if you've got solid walls and if there's any doubt, you need to speak to a builder or a structural engineer because you may need to have RSJs put in if you're knocking a wall down to, to creep a little bit off a bedroom or something if it's a solid wall. Just check it's not a load-bearing wall first. Yeah, we're certainly not saying to people, right, go and stand in your hallway, think outside the bathroom and get the sledgehammer out over the weekend. We're certainly not saying that, are we? No, that would be a little bit of a DIY. <laughs> now, you did mention plumbing. I mean, is it, there is an old adage that says keeping the plumbing in the, the same place as it is will keep costs down. Is that true? To an effect, yes. But at the end of the day, if someone who's got a close couple toilet and a pedestal basin, which generally up until maybe the 90s that's what people expected of a bathroom a built-in bath pedestal basin and a close coupled loo if you're wanting to change that for a wall mounted loo and a wall hung floating basin unit to create more space you're going to have to change the plumbing anyway so i don't think you know if you if you want to change your bathroom you want to improve it and you want to make it work for you so why be confined by those constraints so it's always worth checking with an installer and and have a chat with him about costings and if it's an old bathroom that you're taking out to replace for a new one, even if it is small, is there a possibility that the plumbing will need to be upgraded? Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of brassware that we do that works on high pressure. And it may be you've got an old gravity system. It may be that your pipes, your supply pipes are too small diameter. It may be that the, the water 
um, soil pipe for the bath or the shower needs to be upgraded. So you've got to consider the products that you're putting in as well. For example, a, a wet room tray, you might have a great big deluge shower head that gives you 30 or 40 litres a minute. That's lovely, but if the waste is only going to take 20 litres a minute, you're going to have a problem with water backup. So there's a lot of things to consider. And also your pressure of the water. A lot of the brassware that we do in the UK, it works on mains pressure. So if you've got a gravity system, you're going to have to pump it or you have a question with your installer, do I upgrade my domestic hot water system to a mains pressure system? So there's lots of other things to consider which helps you choose the right products for you. I mean, we're talking small bathrooms specifically, but of course, all of the things to do with plumbing and pressure and, you know, the considerations to do with the the way that your property is built and how it functions applies to any size space. Absolutely. And I I think that's one of the things as well. Don't overlook it. Just consider it. And it's probably more important than a small bathroom because you haven't got the luxury of space in there. You want to get it right. Whatever you put in, you've got to be really succinct and, and correct in your choices to get the look right and the usability right. Although small, arguably a small bathroom is is more tricky to design. Would you agree with that? Yeah, again, because you've got small space, you've got to really consider carefully the products you put in. And there's some great innovative small size products. You know, you might want a freestanding bath. There's an amazing one, Antonio Lupi. It's only 1350 millimeter in length but it fits a a person over six foot in it so that's a great way of bringing a freestanding look into a bathroom where you've got a small space you you don't always have to have a massive space to appreciate the beauty of some of the products I mean you mentioned innovation so let's move on to product because I, I mentioned the old adage of moving the plumbing and whether that is is valuable or not there's another thing that I must have written a thousand times when I've been writing bathroom features over the years and that's the benefit of wall hung fittings and especially in a smaller space and the saying goes that if you put your fittings on a wall so your toilet or your basin on the wall you can see the floor and that automatically creates a better feeling of space so First of all, is that true? Do you do you stand by that as a design ethos? Yeah, absolutely. And if you can keep the floor seamless as well. So if you've got a, a small square box of a bathroom, which is most of the UK, immediately taking a close couple toilet out and putting a wall hung WC in, you're going to see the seamless floor as you open the door. And if you have a walk-in shower area, if it's a wet room floor, it's all fully tiled as well. The whole floor then will open up. And it's also thinking about that leads to textures and colours that you you use in the space. So some colours will open up the space and some make the the space reduced. So light and neutral colours will reflect more light and give a feeling of calm. And using the same texture on the floor and the wall will blur the definition and the lines between the two and open up the floor space. So there's lots of other things as well. It's just using the wall hung fittings that you can consider. I'm going to come back onto the trends and the colours and the finishes because I think there's a lot of things that we can talk about and it's quite an exciting thing that you can do in a small bathroom. But just sticking with the wall hung fittings, I mean, is that where you need to get a stud wall in place? How much space is is that actual wall hung mechanism going to take up in a small space? So if you're talking about WCs, you're going to hide a cistern and a frame in the wall. The frame will support the WC pan and there's different sized WC frames and cisterns available depending on where your waste outlet is for the WC. So some in-wall frames start at as little as 80 to 90 millimetres depth. So you've just got to build your wall out by that much. And some will go up to about 180 mil depth. So it just depends on your particular plumbing. 
And they're also different heights as well, Lindsay. So if, for example, you've got a window above where the WC is, you just need to check the height of the seal because there's several heights. You can have an 82 centimetre height frame, a 98 or a 112 centimetre height frame. So you've just got to build those thoughts in. Having said that, you've got your frame on the wall and then there's different size pans as well. So you've got a standard projection of a wall hung pan, might be about 570 mil, but we also do compact ones. We do um, a little 43 centimetre one as well that's really great. So if you imagine you've only got sort of 90 mil on the wall and then 430 for a pan, you've knocked quite a bit of depth off the, off the space that a close couple WC would take. That's really great to know because I think, you know, you mentioned a window and if you've got a window and you think, oh, there's no way I can get the loo under the window, you might just be thinking of kind of the the standard fittings that you might see in your DIY store, for example. But actually, again, think outside the box. Think about all the other innovations that might be there. If you just search a little bit, there's probably something to suit the dimensions you require. Absolutely. And I think that's when it, it helps. It, you know, a lot of people are happy searching themselves online. It is a great tool to find out things, but it often helps to engage a professional designer because that's what we do. We're used to seeing spaces. We can come up with solutions that you might not have thought of yourself. So we've done the basin that's on the wall. The toilet is on the wall. What about the bath? You mentioned a bath, you know, the a lot of people think a bath is great for families, which it is. Um, but showers are probably the more popular bathing option um, in the UK so I'm thinking of a, a standard UK bathroom that has a fitted bath with a shower over the top of it is that the best solution for a small space or are there others that you might like to implement in a small space so uh, that's a very practical solution so you've got a built-in bath everyone can use it kids can use it adults and it also works as a shower bath so you've got you've got everything in one now you don't have to have like a P-shaped shower bath that was a a lot of people thought that was the best solution. You can have a pretty normal looking bath. There's loads that we do in the ranges. You can make it really attractive. You can combine the shower fittings to also operate the bath fittings. So you don't have to have separate taps on for the bath. So for example, you can have a shower valve with a three-way diverter that will run a nice deluge head, a handset, and it will also work with a combined bath filler. So the bath filler and the waste are together and the water will come out where the bath filler is. So again, you're although you're not saving space, you're removing excess clutter from the eye when you look into the room. So you've got more seamless controls. So yeah, you're limited with your space, but carefully selecting the function of everything you put in there gives the illusion of space and feeling the space more as well. So a standard bath is 170 by 70 centimetres. So, you know, that's quite long and I've still got the two mattresses in my head and I'm thinking, where's that bath going to go? Yes, the bath probably will fit in that space depending on the other things that you've got going on there. Are there any clever ways to get a bath and a shower in separately? Yeah, so another option you've got. It depends what size bath you want. So everyone has that fixed in their mind. They need a 170 length bath. There are 150, 160 length baths that are very, very comfortable for people. With certain baths, like, for example, Betty do a bath called the ocean. It's very deep, hence the name the ocean. It's not wasting a lot of space with a rim around the edge of it. So you get the best use of space internally with the bath. And that's also the same with some of the freestanding bars we do. I, I mentioned earlier the Antonio Lupi Mostello bath. Yeah, it's a freestanding bath. It's absolutely beautiful. But you could also consider if 
bathing is your priority, not showering. So you don't want to rip out your bath or you don't want to compromise. Um, you can have a freestanding bath and there's some great sort of curtain systems. Sounds a funny thing to say, but there's a lovely EXT that we do, a round bath with an amazing round curtain rail, but it looks really arty. And the same with Agape, they do their Cooper rails. So you can still have your small freestanding bath and then it can be um, used occasionally for a shower as well. As you were talking there, in my head I was thinking about the uh, a few brands are sort of doing those Japanese-style baths, so it's circular bath but really deep. Um, that seems to be a trend that's sort of catching on and it's very wellness-orientated. But if you love a soak, that would be a real lovely experience. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of baths that go down to almost like a 1,200 length. And it has a seat built in, but it is a very deep bath. And that can be a great feature in a very small bathroom. It could even span the width if you've only got 1,200 width in a bathroom. And then you can maybe do a step up to it and make a real feature. And they're really nice square bars. We have those on display in a couple of our showrooms, but they are also popular options. Or if you've got a long wall, you can have a shorter bath in it, a built-in bath, and then we can build the glass over the end of the bath for where the shower starts. So you don't have to have a solid wall in between. So there's also those sort of options we can offer. Oh, that is very clever because obviously you don't really want like floor of the sight line as key and having the shower sort of almost within the bath, but not within the bath, if you see what I mean. So, you know, two separate entities, but just divided by a, the simple glass screen of the shower. Is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. So depending on the length of the wall you've got for that, or it may be you've got your bath under the window and you're thinking, oh, where can I put my shower? So let's have your bath under the window, whether it be freestanding or built in. Let's move back about 800 mil, put your shower on a side wall and then just a panel of glass in front. So you're walking around into the bath and shower area, but you've got standing space to have your shower in. And then you just walk through that and you've also got a bath, which, of course, it doesn't matter if the bath gets wet when someone's showering because a bath gets wet anyway. That sounds lovely. I love I love the idea of being able to walk into the bath and shower area. That sounds quite luxurious. But if you if we're talking about showers and you just want to shower or if you have, you know, enough space, say, even in a small bathroom to have both a bath and a shower separately, how much space minimum do you need to have a, an effective shower? Okay, so I wouldn't recommend going smaller than an 800 by 800 shower. But again, you've got to factor in who's going to use the shower. So a small person, five foot two, they, they don't need, their arm span's not that big. So they could probably happily shower in an 800 by 800. But if you've got someone over six foot, they've got a huge arm span, broad shoulders, it's going to be very uncomfortable for them to shower. So again, that's why I'm saying don't compromise. If you've only got a very small space, Will it then be better to have a shower over a bath and have a really nice size bath and make the bathroom look luxurious than trying to pigeon everything in and squeeze it into a small area? I'm interested to see how that works. I'm thinking of some people that I know where maybe one of them is five foot four and the other one is over six foot. It's sort of how do you compromise? Who gets the priority in that household? Absolutely. And then maybe it means that maybe an open shower, like a walk-in shower, will be better if you've only got 800 space. But you've also got a factor in then that as water hits you, that's going to spread over the floor area. So enclosing, you've, you've got to think what works best. If you want a shower that's going to be enclosed, which is going to keep the water in the shower area, or if you're happy for it to splash around the area and create more of a wet area in the whole bathroom. Which brings me on nicely to my next thought, which was 
Is the small bathroom actually more practical because it's less to clean? I mean, if the answer is yes, then I am certainly on board with keeping a small bathroom and forgetting those large, luxurious spaces that I mentioned earlier. Is it is it easier to clean a small bathroom? I think by default, because you've got less less area to clean, then yes, it is easier to clean. But going back to the water thing, you, you've got to think, if I have got a wet area, then everything's going to need cleaning because it will get watermarks on. And recently, we did a little shower room, a little ensuite in an um, area just outside London. They had a really tiny bathroom with a really tiny quadrant shower. You couldn't move outside the shower area for the loo in the basin. So we took that all out and I designed the whole area as a wet room. So, yeah, it worked much better because the door into the bathroom then became the shower door. So it was like you're going opening the door into a wet area, wall hung loo, basin and a shower. But her partner, who was about six foot six, was ecstatic because he could actually have a proper shower without bashing his elbows against his little quadrant door. But consequently, onto your cleaning point, yeah, water's going to spread around that area, which then follows on further to think about the textures and the tiles that you're going to use. If you're in a hard water area, black tiles probably isn't the best choice because it's going to show watermarks if you haven't got a water softener. You know, so it, that follows on to further discussions with your designer. That's really interesting in terms of thinking about the water in your area and how that could affect the choices that you you do choose for your finishes, which let's talk about finishes. There's so much choice now when it comes to tiles and flooring and even the colour of your sanitary wear or statement basins, coloured baths. I mean, it's vast. But neutrals actually are making a bit of a comeback in bathrooms, which I'm quite excited about because, you know, the bold bathroom is brilliant and I love it. But this sort of warm, caramelly, mocha type tone that we're seeing coming through is a way to introduce colour, get away from sort of the standard white, but in a more subtle way. Do you want to talk a little bit about that trend and how you think it might catch on? Yeah, I think neutrals have always been around in living areas and the rest of the house. And I think bathrooms and interiors also follow on from what's in fashion and while everybody loves a pop of colour um, sometimes it's quite hard to live with and a, a bathroom tends to be a sanctuary I always say you start the day and you end the day in the bathroom so it's generally the first room you visit after your bed in the morning and the last room you visit before your bed at night so I think having some calmness in there and some neutrals really helps sort of ground you for the day And also using one colour in different tones and textures also works really well and it creates a cohesive feel to the bathroom and follows on maybe for your living space or your bedroom. And generally that also, those calm colours, because your eye is quite calm when you're following the colours, it doesn't alight on certain areas. So you're feeling the space is large because your eye can just rove around endlessly in there. Oh, I see. So actually using those neutral colours or just a a palette of the same sort of colour will actually help enhance the space and make it feel larger? Absolutely, yeah. And there's so many beautiful tiles. Take, for example, um, Zelliger tiles. They're really popular at the moment. So they're handmade in the kiln. They're handmade clay tiles. But the glazing of them is slightly different. So it would be the same glaze they put on, but where they're fired in the kiln, it reacts differently. So you might pick a white tile, but it might have... 40 or 50 different shades of white go, go into more of a beige, a taupey colour, a soft white, a cream. And if you put those, it's like a wash of soft colour on the wall instead of having something really powerful. Okay. And then in terms of the easy clean nature, um, uh, just to swivel back to that area, 
when you're choosing the finishes of your walls and floors, especially if you're thinking about, you know, in a small space, there might be a bit more splashing. Are neutrals a bit of a, a safer option? Yeah, I think neutrals work really well. And it's also the finish. If you go in tiles, obviously, if you go marble, they need to be sealed and they will have an element of maintenance in them to keep them looking as beautiful as they are because they're porous. So they will stain if you have high coloured shower gels or soaps, anything like that with them. If you go for a porcelain tile, again, that's got a more of a, a finish on it that's going to stop anything permeating into it. But you don't always have to have a polished porcelain. So polished porcelain will be nice. It will reflect the light. But a soft and natural finish won't show hard water on it. Shiny surfaces are going to show hard water, like glass stars, like chrome. So I think that also leads on to glass. A lot of the glass manufacturers will offer an anti-calcium coating. So that will stop sort of the, the hard water building up, you know, those horrible milky streaks that you can see on glass. I know it well. I live in a hard water area and it's the bane of my life. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And even with chrome taps, they would show hard water. But now talking about different finishes, there's so many different finishes in brassware from brush brass, golds, bronzes, matte black. So I think matte black would be a one to consider avoiding as well if you're in a very hard water area, because that's ultimately going to show every mark on it. But it, it might be that more of a living finish, like a living finish, a natural bronze or a a brushed brass that's unlacquered, that works well for you because it gains a patina over time. So it doesn't matter if it's got a few marks because that is the beauty of the product. And I guess in a small space, if you have got a black tap that is marked by your hard water, you know, it's it's kind of a bit on show, isn't it? Because it's a smaller space, so everything's a bit closer to you. Um, it might not be able to hide quite so well. No, and I think in a cloakroom that would be fine because it's only a basin tap. But if you've got shower fittings that are in constant use, they're going to be in the, the hard water area, aren't they? So that's to be avoided. So I think, again, consider the finish of your tiles, the finish of the brassware. Great. So then flipping that, if someone doesn't really want neutrals, they're, you know, more of a maximalist in their style, or they just want a focal point in the bathroom, whether that be the colour of the bath or the basin, for example, or it might be just an accent of a, a patterned coloured tile. How would you best achieve a focal point in a smaller space? Okay, so like you said, you can go for all-out maximalism. and You may see in the Hoover building bathroom I did a couple of years ago, which was really fun and quite crazy. So that had some of our innovative wet room wallpaper in, which um, is another good choice for walls. And it had several colours, but it was it's quite a fun building. But it may be that you just want to emulate something like that, that you may love a, a concrete basin in an amazing colour, like a lovely bright blue or a blush pink or even a stronger colour like a mustard. So that might be your absolute focal point. Then everything else is calm. So you really factor in on the focal point when you see it. Um, or it may be lighting that helps you achieve that as well to highlight certain areas. So if you've got your beautiful focal point of the basin, you might want a lovely couple of beautiful pendant lights that hang down to highlight it. Or we do coloured sanitary wear, which we've done for a few years. So there's a load of it in the marketplace. You can have a, a coloured loo, a coloured bath. And I'm not talking avocado. You know, you can have whatever colour you want. Although I have seen some avocado, it's just whether it actually catches on. I don't think it will, personally. Well, everything um, goes around, everything's cyclical. So. It does, it does. I've seen um, a lot of pastel pinks. I think that's probably one that, that people will put into their homes. In fact, I have seen it on Instagram a few 
lovely cloak rooms but again it's back to those neutrals I feel like that's a, a more accessible sort of you can imagine that in a real bathroom where it's like a coffee color or just a really soft gray blue rather than the white what do you think yeah absolutely and also if you go for a concrete basin there's some fabulous grays and neutrals and you can see the texture of the basin so you, you know you can see the intrinsic beauty of the material and I think that's really important as well it doesn't always have to be about picking a pop of color use the textures to create the interest as well in a palette that you're comfortable with and also factor in a bathroom can be a big investment so you know if, if you went to buy a winter coat that you wanted for years and years you might not necessarily buy a bright purple one but you might buy a navy or a black or a camel do you know what I mean it's in investing in something that's going to have longevity and you're not going to tire of absolutely now I have to ask you about storage because in a small bathroom, well, in any bathroom, I would say, storage is often a, a concern that uh, the readers of the magazine and the visitors to these three rooms will ask uh, myself and the team about. Because really, we need sp- space to put the towels and the, the bottles and all the paraphernalia that we seem to have. What's the best way to get around storage in a smaller space? Okay, the first thing I say is declutter. There's so many people that I've been to that they open up cupboards where they've had for years and they've got so many toiletries that are just dusty at the back of the cupboards they've never used. So I think really think about what you actually need in the bathroom. You don't need the whole boots counter in the bathroom. So just keep in there what you want. At the storage, most wall-mounted basin units will give you storage of some kind. You've got recess cabinets. If you've got a, a cavity wall or maybe a stud wall that you can recess a, a cabinet in above there. Um, I think what's the, the thing to avoid in a small bathroom? I mean, having things like chunky cabinets, overhanging basins, because that increases on your airspace and automatically makes the space feel smaller. But I think if you can utilise hidden space like recesses, in the shower, if you can pop a recess in the shower, you can highlight it with some LED lighting. That keeps all your bottles off the floor in the shower. Again, there's so many people's bathrooms I've been to and all their bottles are just lined up along the shower tray and you've got hardly any space to stand in there. So take out what you don't need, put a nice recess in, put the bottles you use there, put shelving at a high level. If you want a nice long shelf, wall to wall, maybe above a bath, we can put some extra storage or kids' toys on for when they want them. There's lots of different things that you can do. And and also, even if we just go back slightly to maybe where you had a basin under a window, which means you can't put a mirror, think about the ceiling as well, because there's some great ceiling hanging mirrors and things like that that you can have. And some of those will have a little shelf on the bottom. So there's lots of different things to consider. So think about the ceiling. That's a really interesting point, because the ceiling is often overlooked as sort of that fifth wall. But really, when we're talking about thinking about all areas and thinking outside of the box. Actually, you should look up as well, shouldn't you? Absolutely. And that's why I mentioned maybe put some shelving at a high level, you know, for things that you don't use all the time. Or maybe a towel rack as well. Above your heated towel warmer, you can put a couple of towels on, but you can put a towel rack at a high level as well. So it's a bit hotel-y, so you can put a couple of extra towels on there for when you need them. Um, Even some built-in bars are absolutely fabulous now. The panel will incorporate some open shelving, So that's another consideration where you can put your nice bits of um, toiletries in there. Great. So that's storage. I think there's absolutely loads of ideas in there that you can apply to, you know, if your space is super, super small or just that average UK size of around two mattresses. I want to round it off um, a little bit. But before I do, what, uh, what would you say are the 
easiest wins for tackling a small bathroom you know if if you just want to do something quick and easy leave the bathroom that you've got fixtures in place make some changes to make it feel that bit more spacious what's the best way to go about it okay so look at the colors you've got in there so you're not going to change the tiles on the wall but look at the colors you've got on the wall and the ceiling maybe do that in the same color to open up the space i think you've got to think it's not about quantity all the time it's about quality so the little changes you make so mirrors can also help reflect light good lighting it maybe you've only got a single pendant light that's not giving you great lighting speak to an electrician have some led down lighters put in that really open up the space as well okay brilliant well i think there's been a shed load of ideas in there I mean for such a small space there's certainly a lot to talk about but the clock has beaten us but I end every episode with the question and that is what's your golden rule for bathroom design and what's the biggest mistake to avoid do you think okay it's who's using it what you want to achieve and really thinking about it you know people always think biggest is best but do you really need the biggest bath? It's not that comfortable if you're quite small. Do you really need double basins in there? Are you really going to be in there at the same time? So I just think it's thinking about who's using it and what you want to achieve from the space. And what's the biggest mistake, would you say? Trying to cram too much in. So really, really being picky, I would say. In that first instance, really think about what you want, who's using it, as you say, and don't try and put a bath and a shower in if you only ever need a shower for example no I think less is more at the end less is more well what a lovely place to end less is more as with so many things in life well Louise thank you so much for um talking to me today about how to maximize a small bathroom I am sure that I've learned some things there and I'm hoping the listeners have too thank you very much and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and you it's been a pleasure take care bye Well, Louise certainly had some excellent advice there. So if you have a small bathroom, I am sure you are looking at it with fresh eyes. The sentence that really sticks in my mind is, think outside the bathroom. Who would have known? Thinking outside those walls that make up your space, is there a space on the landing that you could steal? Is there an airing cupboard that you could really take space from? Really think outside the box, as Louise said, or think outside the bathroom. I also love the idea of her saying, think up. Think about what you could mount on the ceiling. You know, make the most of every single inch of space. You could create some real wow factor in your small bathroom. And think about who's using the bathroom now. If you're doing your bathroom up now, think about you. Don't think about what it might be like in 10 years' time if you're planning on one day moving out. Really design it around what you need now. You're the one that's going to be using it at the end of the day. So have some fun with it. Enjoy. And, you know, be a bit brave in your choices. Because why not? I hope you enjoyed that episode and stay tuned because next week I'm going to be talking all about kitchen worktops. That is sure to be a detailed discussion. But for now, please do go on to your podcast provider, rate and review the podcast, subscribe and share so lots of other people can find it as well. If you do have any questions, you can drop me a line on hello at these3rooms.com. I'd love to know your thoughts. And if you do have any questions about your bathroom, I'm sure I'll be able to answer them. For now, thank you for listening to How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast. And I'll see you again soon.